<laughs> I know, I say stuff and you just kind of react like, Dave, no. No, no, no. I'm a gem. You're listening to Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong. Welcome to episode 175 of the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my podcast partner in crime, journalist, writer, dog mom, owner of the Georgia Virtue, Jessica Salaji. What's poppin'? <laughs> what's poppin', yo? <laughs> yo, what's up? <laughs> How was your week? It was fine. How was yours? <laughs> oh, what great content. You, you, get the, you get that, everyone? It was fine. Those so, gems and more coming up on this show. So, like, on that note, when I was little, we'd have dinner at our kitchen table, and my dad would ask me every single day. I was telling someone this story the other, a couple weeks ago, and it made me laugh because I'd forgotten about how stubborn I was even as a child. And no. I know, I know, it's shocking. But he would ask me what I did that day, in school and I would just like I would I would ha- hated just explaining and talking about school and so like on the I realized that on the days that I said we did review I didn't have to explain anything because it was I, we'd already talked about it so I would always say we just did review and finally he was like you did you do review every day I was like yep sure do so I didn't have to talk about my day because it was fine oh your future husband is so lucky <laughs> so lucky because mm-hmm. no no i'm honestly i mean honestly to, to ask well, obviously woman, how, how, i mean uh, i mean yeah how was your day fine you know that's all <laughs> i want to hear poor connie <laughs> you know because to quote chris rock how was your day it's a 45 minute conversation <laughs> to a woman <laughs> yeah. no no actually if i say how was your day fine i'm like uh-oh yeah, what'd you do? Uh-oh. I mean, there's a long list of things that, that she could have dug up. <laughs> she could have dug up on her way home. Thank God her commute home was only five minutes. It used to be an hour and a half. She had an hour and a half to stew about everything I've done in the past. <laughs> so was your week fine, too? Fine. No, it was, it, it was great. It was great. We, we got some got a lot of work done. It, it's it's summertime, and I'm an air conditioning man. Uh, I'm most popular no. person. Yeah, I know. I'm the most popular person in the world. Uh, ev- everybody loves it when I get there, and they love it more when I leave. Much like a marriage. Uh, but no, it was it, fantastic. It, it cooled off a little bit this week, but it was still muggy, which keeps me busy. And I, I really am blessed to have just the best customers in the world and the the best support in the world because I can't afford to go advertise on WSB or Fox or somebody like that, The my advertising is my customers who are happy with what the service they received, the price they received, and telling their neighbors. And that is, is what drives my business. And I'm absolutely blessed to have every one of them because those are the, that's the feedback I get is so-and-so referred me. They said, you took care of them. Right. And I, I, I'm, you know, not to be overly sincere on this program because I try not to be, but it really is. It, it is the the driving force of Doctor Cool to to have people who are happy, and of course that's a, you know, sets the bar high for me because 
every person that I that I interact with is a source of advertising. Yeah, I do the same thing at my council meetings. I I want my customers to be happy. <laughs> Unfortunately, the uh, counselors are not. The council members are not your customers. They don't. The readers are. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want the little blonde one. She holds us accountable, and we don't like that. Someone told me this week they were like, "You don't look like I thought you would look for what you write." You think I'm like a swamp monster or like a a mammoth or something? Like I don't, I don't know. (laughs) They're like expecting a six four butch chick with a with a high and tight wearing flannel and combat boots. (laughs) I don't even know where to go with that. (laughs) You're like, how do I cut out of this without being offensive? (laughs) Next. So speaking of offensive, John McAfee. Uh, passed away. He, he apparently ended his own life in a Spanish jail. Uh, McAfee was a American billionaire. Uh, gave his name to McAfee uh, antivirus software, even though he has not been associated with it for a couple decades now. He he, he sold off the name. Uh, was a libertarian candidate at one point for president. Twice. Twice. At one point. Two points. Well, thank you, Jessica. Tell me why I'm wrong. You're welcome. You're wrong because <laughs> that's just that's why I'm here. I, I know you're, you're my, my ombudsman. <laughs> uh, he had he's a, he was a very entertaining uh, person. Had a bit of a bit of a checkered last ten years or so. And you I'll know, I were talking. You know, I were talking before the show trying to rack our brains about all the stuff. He was accused of killing somebody. I think it was his neighbor. And uh, I said Honduras. You told, you corrected me. It was... Uh, <laughs> Belize. Uh, Belize. Belize mm-hmm. uh, Navidad. Um, oh, no. He got busted for... And I think he lost a civil case on that. So basically, he was able to buy himself out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got busted for entering a country illegally, and I'm not sure whether whether it was uh, Guatemala or Honduras. Uh, came back to the states, married a hooker at some point, which you know t- is, is totally cool. Although you cannot turn a hoe into a housewife. Oh. Uh, ended up in Europe with uh, pending indictments, and one of a, one of them being uh, crypto fraud for pumping up some cryptocurrency that he was not invested in. And, of course, income tax evasion, which makes him a hero in my book. Uh, But the dumbest thing he did was hiding out in a country that has an extradition treaty with the United States. Mm -hmm. Like, was Switzerland full? You don't like the Alps? You don't like skiing? I mean, what, you don't like hot chocolate? He obviously doesn't like Julie Andrews either. I, I know the hills are alive, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the Cayman Islands, or hell, he could have bought his way into Russia, or a, a dozen other places that don't don't have extradition treaties with the United States, and gone hidden out for the rest of his life because he had fu money. But it, it is a tragic end. He was a very entertaining guy. If you know, if if you followed him, there is a how to uninstall McAfee. On YouTube, we are not going to link to it. It is not work friendly, safe. 
do not play it in front of your kids. It's not nudity or anything. It's just uh, it's just John McAfee being John McAfee, and it is hilarious. Uh, it is very liberal with the F-bomb. So like I said, you probably don't want to play it in front of grandma or the kids or have it blare through your speakers at work, especially if you like working in a you know government office or something. But it's, it's funny. He was unabashedly libertarian. You think government workers listen to our show? Probably. Just to keep us on the list. <laughs> okay, we got cells one and two for Guantanamo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even on the Guantanamo list before meeting you. Yeah, I've been on it for a while. <laughs> they sized me out for my burlap outfit probably like <laughs> in 08. Oh, no, honey. Burlap? No. no I know. No, no. Jesus no. sandals and, and burlap. Oh, you could probably pull it off, you know, bedazzle a little bit. You just gotta, you gotta, when you take the rope for the belt, you have to go a little high waisted with it to cinch it in, give a nice hourglass figure. Wow, Thank I watched you. way Thank too you. much what not to wear when Connie had her back surgery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man, I thought maybe I flipped sides. I don't know. Poor Connie. <laughs> Poor Connie. So, how dare they have a membership with a club? where no minority members are at the club. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island was blasted over being a member because he had supposedly spoken out against systematic systemic racism, but plays at the club. Sprouting Rock Beach Association's Bailey's Beach Club, which I, I looked this place up, and it looks fantastic. I'm not, so they, I'm not, they, not, not because it's monochromatic. I'm just talking about it is very, I mean, the buildings are just castles they uh, right only up on let a rocky new, beach. They only Sorry. let new people come in pretty much when someone dies. Like, it's very exclusive. Right. So, yeah, it, this is a membership that would you hand down within the family. They don't uh, even let both spouses be members. This is true. Hey, we'll, we'll get to that. It's, it's a... a it is something where, yeah, if if I'm a member, I die, I can leave my membership to my kids. So if it was monochromatic 100 years ago or whenever it started, because the membership was handed down like that, it would tend to stay that way. Unless you had, you know, you know somebody somebody marry into the family or, or if you had somebody who maybe didn't have kids or the kids didn't want it and left it to another family. Uh, you also have to be fairly wealthy to have it. So if you've ever seen Caddyshack, imagine Bushwick with a bunch of really rich white dudes hanging out and, and patting each other on the back. Uh, it's, it's, so it's, it's a very old institution. I'm, I'm not, look, I'm not excusing it. Uh, the, the membership doesn't bother me. You know, White House has been very loud on systemic racism about how the system's broken. He uh, has been using the the drum of systemic racism to keep himself getting elected. He, of course, is, is a Democrat. Uh, this would be a much bigger story if, if he was a Republican. Oh, sure. But, of course, you know, it's the hypocrisy that, that bothers most of us. I get that. I just, you know, if if you if you read any of the 
articles about it. Um, one of his local publications, like to his to where he, the club is, or I guess where his, his district. I mean, he's the whole state, but you know, like his where he lives. They um, the publications there have been on him since 2006 about giving up his membership and like this has obviously been something that. I guess I just don't really understand why for 15 years they give a rip what their senator, what clubs he belongs to. I mean, I don't like any of the club. I don't like that my senators belong to the U.S. Senators Club. Like, I just, it sucks. Like, they're, they are, they do things we don't like, and those type, those are the least of our worries. It is. They've but, been after this, that's all. Right, it, it's the hypocrisy of it. Is you can't go out and say I'm a champion for equal rights and then belong to a restricted club. And, of course, the club says they're not restricted. It's that the memberships are passed down. They, I guess that you have certain... I guess the members own it. They have shares uh, of mm-hmm. this club. Uh, quote, I think people who are running the place will, are still working on it, and I'm sorry it hasn't happened yet, he said last week. And, again, this goes back a decade, plus, a decade plus. Mm-hmm. You say 2007 or 2006? 2006, uh, yeah. So we're talking about 15 years they've been, quote, working on it. I'd, I would have more respect for them if they pulled out what Augusta National did when they said you don't have any female members. And, oh, we're well, just not going to put – we're not going to advertise on the Masters. You know what? We'll put it on ourselves. Screw you. He said um, – he said the thing about, like, they're still working on it last – he said that last week. And – not not 15 years ago, but he said he was going to transfer when he transferred everything. He said he's going to quit and he transferred it all to his wife when he was running. Um, and then he said he he never said he was going to step down and give up his membership. And it would be nice if the club changed a little bit and vowed to take up the issue of diversity, diversity, quote, privately, which I think is the most offensive part of all of it. Not even that. He's a member and he talks about systemic racism, but that he thinks it should be done privately because we live in a society of cancel culture where everyone's business from, you know, here to eternity gets them put on the front page of every newspaper everywhere about everything to take them down. But not him. Because no, it be done he, privately. Well, because he's in the club. He's in the, he's in the club because he has a D after his name. As long as you say the right things in front of the cameras, as long as you have a D after your name. So if you vote for the right things on the Senate floor, you can do whatever you want. Hey, look, like I said, I don't have a problem with private clubs admitting whatever members they want. They're private. It is private. This is not a this is not like a hotel not letting somebody in based on the race. This is not uh, a, a restaurant. This is not the post office. This is not Montgomery bus system. This is a private exclusive club that can pick its members however the hell they want. It's private. Now, you can say that you don't agree with the policies, which which is fine. And if given the opportunity to become a member of the club, don't do it. Say, I'd rather not be a member of a club that's exclusive like that. Uh, the, the Beach Club has not commented publicly, but others have said there are diverse members and there have been minorities in the past. A 2003 profile by the New York Times the piece uh, and another by the Go Logo Pro- uh, Providence. Uh, no, uh, nothing. Some people of color using the club are noting that some people of color use the club. I guess as guests, 
but not directly as members. A longtime member told the New York Times of the club's demographic composition, Jews, yes, blacks, not really. Okay, but how many black people are trying to join? That's the question. Is it two? And when they said it, they said we aren't, we aren't, we don't have any membership spots available right now and nobody would, I mean, or was it, was it 50? Is it a hundred? Is it, is it zero? Well, that That matters. Of course it matters. That's not going to be, that's not going to be disclosed. And look, Rhode Island's a, a very monochromatic state. It's very small. There are like 15 people there total. So like five of them belong to this club. Yeah, everyone else is from out of state. <laughs> yeah, everybody else is from is from Massachusetts, which is like <laughs> you can like throw a, a ball from downtown Providence into Massachusetts. Uh, but you're right. How many how many members how many people have applied to become members? How many guests uh, maybe that that have been of color that that have been there have applied for membership there? Uh, how many people were, were denied? And honestly, if I don't even know if you can apply for membership, if it's something where, where it's passed down, where you you own shares, like White House transferred his shares over to his wife. Now, if he really wanted to take a stand because she already had a membership and he didn't need and he didn't need to keep his shares, he could have taken those shares and sold them to someone of color, or or given them to someone of color, or. Or done, or done whatever he wanted with him if he wanted to take a stand and, and, and make the point of it. I'm not saying he should have, because they, they, I'm sure they hold monetary value, which is why he transferred them to his wife instead of giving away. But if he's such a social justice warrior, where are you? Right. I mean, step up, boss. I mean, now your wife's got a double share, and I guess she'll keep them all in the divorce. So I don't know, man. I, I, I don't have a frame of reference for this. Because I've never, I've never been wealthy enough to be in an exclusive club like that. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I like I said, like, like I said at the beginning of the story, it's the hypocrisy that bothers me. The fact that he's a member, if rich old white dude wants to be a member of a club that is predominantly white, I just don't care. He's not even a member now. That's the thing, though. Yeah, but he his, is. His wife I is. Mean, uh, come on. The family is. It's a family membership. She just happens to be the, the the ticket holder. It's not like he's going as a guest. He's going as a family member. I know. I'm just saying, like, if his if if he was going let's just let's just say if he was going to give up the membership and his wife was like, I don't want to, what do you think is gonna happen? Uh they're, they're yes, not dear. giving up the membership. Yeah. yeah I mean yes, like dear. I, I, like and he I, it doesn't matter, but it's just. I don't. I don't I, yeah, I don't want to linger too too much on it because you uh, you have time limits <laughs> written into the outline. I assure you, folks, she does. You never and, honor them, though. Well, no, but it has reminded me. <laughs> I don't want to linger too much. I like I said, I don't have a frame of reference for it. I'm a member of a, a of the gun club, but it's an open club. So anybody who wants to wants to join, it's a governor's gun club, uh, Powder Springs and and Kennesaw. They'd be they'd love to have you. So. It's not just a rabbit hole of a discussion. It's a black hole. Jessica. Did, did you read this story? Oh, yeah. When you sent it to me, you sent it to me this week. I did. So um, there's a Cornell University course that is teaching 
that black holes are connected to racial blackness. Um, now this is this is apparent- Cornell. This is yeah. not this is not Walmart Phoenix. University yeah. here. This is damn Cornell. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what's interesting is like apparently this has been a debate in the past. So the article which we link in if you read if you get your podcast um, links from the Georgia Virtue, it it talks about the I guess the history of people talking about whether or not black holes have anything to do with race or not. And um, so this, this literature professor says they actually do. And he talks about, well, I'll read you the course um, description from the catalog. And it says conventional wisdom would have it that black in black holes has nothing to do with race. Surely there can be no connection between the cosmos and the idea of racial blackness. Can there question mark? Contemporary black studies, theories, theorists, artists, fiction writers implicitly and explicitly um, suggest just such a connection. Theorists use astronomy concepts like black holes and event horizons to interpret the history of race in creative ways, while artists and musicians conjure blackness through cosmological themes and images. Co-taught by professors in comparative literature and astronomy, this course will introduce students to the fundamentals of astronomy concepts through readings in black studies. Um... And then it just gives some examples from everything from Michelle Wright and Denise Ferreria da Silva to Outcast. Um, and then they'll talk about everything from electromagnetic spectrum to stellar evolution. But they reference Emory University, um, Michelle Wright, the one that I just mentioned. She has a book, The Physics of Blackness Beyond the Middle Passage Epistemology. And she talks about how Newton's laws of motion and gravity in physics subvert race um, racial assumptions about blackness and so the cornell course puts all that together and makes it something you can earn a grade on and take with you into the world to ruin it more all right if you want to discuss the use of black holes in literature okay that's that you know what because stop there yeah literature is is there for interpretation and obviously you can you can decide what you think the author was going for when discussing black holes or in music, uh, the song black hole sun. Uh, if you want to, to get into that discussion, that is a totally valid discussion to say Newton, his law, the laws of physics are laws because they're laws. It's not that there's no, there are no ways around them. Went on the moon, and they dropped a feather and a hammer to prove Sir Isaac Newton was right. His laws apply. It's called a black hole because it is so dense that no light escapes. It is so dense that light bends around it. It is so dense that time dilates when getting close to the event horizon. Because time is relative to gravity. It is, that's where the name comes from, is the fact that blackness is the absence of light. Now I'm talking about the, the color spectrum, not, not, not the social construct, but the, it's the absence of light. Light, it is so dense that light bends when getting close to it. Well, I think it just demonstrates once again, as if we needed another example, but how far gone higher education is and how how our our professors 
you know, and it used to be that like a, a class that a professor kind of put out there as a tester course or something that was unique and kind of out on a limb would be obviously something that relied on critical thinking and was very um, maybe pertinent to current events as opposed to how things have always been. Like I, 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 I got a political science degree, so I equate that to, you know, not just to, I had took an African studies class that focused on the wars and stuff that were happening at that time. Hearts class. I think I ever took, I failed every quiz we took. I don't know how I passed. I think he just wanted to get rid of me like the rest of my professors, but you know, they just have this, uh, auto- like they, they have the full authority to just make up classes and say, you need this to take with you. Um, and I'm, the, and I made up the concepts and I made up the class and paid me for it. And the problem is these, these kids are going to graduate and go into the world and they're going to, and this, and this is how, this is what liberal politics has been doing for decades. When there was a split between the idea of conservatism, small government, and liberalism, liberals went into the universities, and they've been festering in the universities for more than half a century. I'm guessing 70 years. I'm going back to the 50s with the beatniks and all that stuff. They've been festering in in this self-aggrandizing area where you get a degree to do nothing but turn around and teach people getting degrees. You don't actually earn – these people aren't earning a degree to go out in the world and do anything. So you, you come up with these concepts, these pieces of propaganda, and you plant these seeds. And the end goal is not the students that are in the class. It's everybody else they infect with this idea going forward. And we see this when we trace uh, the global warming and the uh, stuff all the way back to the 70s with Paul and Ann Eyerlich with the, the book, The Population Bomb. We, we, we track these things back to where everybody says, well, these folks are crackpots, but these seeds are planted and they fester and they fester through decades and they bloom decades later. As, as we're seeing today, where the seeds that were planted back in 1976, I think was the population bomb with Paul, Paul and Ann Eyerlich, uh, you, you, you those seeds are now blooming 45 years later with p- proposed legislation and it being uh, settled science. So well, what the hell are we supposed to do about it? The only thing you can do is no, I mean about like if this is, if black holes are connected to blackness, what are we supposed to do? Rename them. But I, I don't know. I don't know because the cosmos do not care. The earth uh, was created, life came about, and it will be extinguished and destroyed, and the universe will not not care one bit. Our little yellow sun will go out one day, or it will supernova, but the universe will not care. The universe will carry on, whether we call them black holes, rainbow holes, orange holes, or dark matter, whatever we call it, it doesn't matter. The universe does not care. It will continue on. It will continue on expanding. It'll, it'll, it, it started with the Big Bang, and we are what we call a black hole is so insignificant to the universe. It's, it's significant to 
what is happening now with our education system and, and our, our small piece of, of the universe. But as far as the universe, it just doesn't, it just doesn't matter. A black hole doesn't care what you call it. You like my cheery disposition tonight? I mean, you're running over the five-minute limit I set for that. <laughs> so we want to piggyback on a story from last week. War on motherhood continues. Last week was Georgia, and now, Jessica, it's Alabama. Yeah, this story really, really irritates me. Um, there was a woman in Alabama who, um, she had a bunch of back issues. She had surgery that... Um, left her in a lot of pain. She had degenerative disc issues, my goodness, Um, severe arthritis, all kinds of stuff. And her doctor prescribed her hydrocodone for pain management. She didn't take it all the time. She took it often, but not all the time. Um, And she stopped taking it when she found out she was pregnant. As her pregnancy went on, um, I guess like at seven and a half months or so, um, she was in excruciating pain, went to her um, orthopedist and he put her back on medicine and her baby was born and tested positive for opioids. Um, the facts came in, looked at the case file. The baby was already improving. There were no like lingering effects. The baby's now nine months old. There's still, there's no impact. But, um, after defects looked at the file and saw that everything was like lawfully prescribed, that she had this ongoing condition, they quickly closed the case um, and moved on, but the state did not. And um, the district attorney and investigators charged her with a a felony for prescription fraud because she did not disclose to her doctor that she was pregnant. And so seven cops showed up to arrest her and take her to jail. You You know what's with seven? She was seven months friggin' pregnant. Yeah, I mean, sure, there are some circumstances, I guess, where it would be difficult to tell if she was pregnant, but I have a hard time believing that. Um, and they say, and it, was a, and they, it doesn't they, they, matter. He saw her in her car, uh, but still, uh, seven months pregnant. We're, we're not talking about somebody who can wear baggy clothes. She was seven months pregnant. And I, even if she didn't disclose that she was, I guarantee the conversation came up that uh, the, the pregnancy is causing. Look, this one is you know near and dear to my heart. As you know, Connie's a back patient. Uh, lower, she had a lower lumbar fusion, uh, herniated disc, all all these symptoms my wife has. And you know we we tried to have a baby for a long time. So, but for the grace of God, go I. Eric, get ready. This is bull. <laughs> She got. She was not abusing her prescription. She was not taking more. You can't. When when you go and you go to a pain clinic, they test they test your your pee to to make sure that you're taking the drugs that they give you to make sure you're not selling them, to make sure you don't have too much of the opiate in your system that that your doctor shopping. There are safeguards in place, but these jackasses in Florence. I don't know if you've ever been to Florence, Alabama. It's a dump. So I'm sure that they are already hypersensitive because there's nothing to do in Florence besides do a bunch of opiates and sit around and do nothing. It's not too far from Muscle Shoals where uh, Leonard Skinner recorded. 
which hmm. is, uh, you know, there's nothing else to do in Florence besides go and jump in the Tennessee River off the cliffs because this is when my father was a kid. Uh, no wonder that I'm so messed up. He, I guarantee he bruised his sperm jumping off these cliffs into the Tennessee River. Uh, there's nothing in Florence. It's a dump. But there has to be, there, there's so much more crime to prosecute than this poor woman who has other kids who were mm-hmm. traumatized by having seven cops. This is like the, the story from last week. Mm-hmm. Look, if you want to talk to her, you make a phone call. Hey, we'd like to interview. Would you mind coming in? She's already demonstrated her compliance with DFACs. Well, and DFACs, and I mean, they're going to ask questions of the doctors and, and check up on the baby before they close the case to do their due diligence. So, I mean, you can say a lot of bad things about them, but when it's that, when a baby's in the hospital and has tested, they're going to continue to retest that baby. So, if the, the if the drugs were out of the baby's system fairly quickly, I mean, they even counted her pills because they were going to charge her with abusing them. Um, they thought about, like, they couldn't charge her because she got them legally from her doctor. And the state has a law that says um, moms can't be um, prosecuted for taking drugs prescribed by doctors during pregnancy. But they bent bent themselves into a friggin' pretzel looking for a way to prosecute this poor woman. Well, their argument is that the doctor wouldn't have given them to her had he known she was pregnant. Well, you don't know that, really. I mean, even if it doesn't matter what the doctor says now. And his horse because he knows that, like, of course, there's a there's a crime alleged. Of course, he's going to change his opinion now. He would be in trouble. But 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 it's but it's false because we already know that properly taken opiates do not harm a baby. There's there's a little with there can be a little withdrawal, but in comparison to uh, uh, somebody not be able to move. There's there's a much higher probability of of problems with birth with a mother who lays in bed for six months, and or I'm, a mother in distress, or a mother in distress, versus someone who takes you know much much like like Connie take takes one at night to go to bed, to be able to, to be able to sleep, be able to get into a position to go to sleep. You know, let me tell you something. Back pain is look. I've I've had three major recon- joint reconstructions. I'm going for my fourth. It is nothing like back pain, buddy. When the back ain't working, ain't nothing working. Mm-hmm. You can't ride in a car. You can't sit up. You can't walk for extended periods of time. It is it when when your when your spine hurts. Your spine controls everything in your body, and when your spine hurts there's 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 no relief none and because this mother's this this potential mother or this expectant mother sought some relief so she could take care of her other four was it four kids four other four or five kids so that she could participate and take care of them because she would not be able to do it otherwise well and if that's not all bad enough and i think you're mixing stories i think she had I don't I don't know how many kids she had, but um she had older like some of her kids were teenagers and her husband and her went out of town for a night. I don't know why, but they went out of town for a night and um or maybe for the day, I don't know. I don't want to say the night because that doesn't sound right now that I'm 
talking about it, but they were they were like out of Florence. And while they were gone, that the two older teenagers were babysitting the baby. That's when the seven police officers came and took the child. And so it's that you know I remember the story. And they 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 went to the grandparents' house after that, and they they didn't know what to do. They were scared, petrified. And look, it, it it's not unusual for for. Uh, a postpartum mother to, to get away for a couple days. Who knows? It could be their anniversary. It could have been she, they need to go for for a job interview. It could have been they were looking for an apartment. It doesn't matter why they were going away. The fact is they took the opportunity when the parents were away to swoop in and intimidate the teens. It's just absolute abuse of power by the DA uh, using the hammer of, of the police department. And I don't know what, what role the, the police had, but this, other than what, what the DA was, was directing him to with a, with a, with a warrant, just I bet the, awful. I bet the DA's a woman. <laughs> awful, awful, awful story. And you, you are the worst feminist ever. <laughs> this is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work own or otherwise associate ourselves with mm-hmm. on a regular or irregular basis. Georgia counties receive payments for legal costs in Trump election suits. I thought it was important for us to follow up on a story we talked about. Yeah, Cobb and Cab counties have been paid funds to cover legal costs uh, sustained in connection with Trump's fruitless lawsuit that sought to overturn President Biden's victory in the state. Uh, Cobb got uh, fifteen and a half thousand to cover attorney's fees incurred by the county's board of elections. Go mm-hmm. ahead, Jess. No, I was just gonna. I was gonna say, DeKalb got sixty one hundred, and um, Randy Evans, who you know he was the ambassador for a while. He's an attorney in Atlanta. He, he was an ambassador to Luxembourg. Yeah, I mean, I mean come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, I don't know what to say, but um, he he was the one that, I guess, like, well, that's where the checks came from was his firm, the firm he works for. But um, and they represented Trump and some of these and Schaefer. But um, he said, like, I guess, you know, the mean you, you know how the media is. They were like, what's the settlement agreement? What are the terms of this? Blah, blah, blah. And Randy Evans is all spicy in his response and says, the two motions for attorney fees have been withdrawn. There was no settlement agreement. Um, the taxpayers in DeKalb County and Cobb County have been fully reimbursed. There are no other details because there are no other details. And um, what's interesting is that he would not reveal who paid the fees. He said he didn't, he would, he declined that, or he denied that it was Trump or Trump's campaign. Um, so the 21 Five, I guess. I don't know where that money came from. No, no one uh, such small potatoes. It, it could have come from his own pocket. I mean, it's, it's such a small amount of money to make it go away. It, well, it I would like come... to know who's paying our uh, who's yeah, but you don't have a government. right to know. Uh, yes, I do. The government I mean, is receiving it. No, the, I mean, as far as if uh, who sure, sure, it, sure. Yeah, it's it, yeah. You know, if it came from I. I it, I have to take it as word it didn't come from the Trump campaign because he wouldn't say that if it come from the Trump campaign. Oh, please. Sure he would. No, but he can't because if Trump were to ever run again, all that's open. Like they care. I mean, <sighs> the, the whole thing was based I – mean, it's all self-serving. 
It is self-serving. But Randy Evans, Randy Evans didn't just impose his idiocy onto Kevin Cobb. He wants to inflict it on the whole state, Jessica. Yeah, he's pushing Herschel Walker pretty hard. He um he said that last week in the <laughs> he said um Herschel would be a great senator because he's got a genuine concern for the country. He loves Georgia, and certainly he has a long out a long-standing relationship with President Trump. You know, I don't necessarily disagree that uh, that Walker would be a, would be a decent senator. He'd be a great candidate. Based on what? No, he'd be a great candidate in Georgia because he's Herschel Dan Walker. Why does that make him a great candidate? I'm just talking about as far as running for office. I mean, he, he doesn't have to work for name recognition in the state of Georgia, actually anywhere in the South. Uh, he doesn't. He everybody knows who he is. So it's not like uh, Loeffler where you have to establish who the hell is this person. Everybody I knows guess, who he is. Okay, I'm talk, well, I guess, when I say when I say great candidate, I'm not talking about policies or anything else. I'm talking about just as far as putting a W in the column. He, he's a he's a he's a great candidate because for a consultant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. From from a from an objective standpoint, of if you just want to put a W in the column, he, he's a he's a great candidate because his name recognition and there are a lot of Democrats that were not going to vote against Herschel Walker. He has a damn Heisman. I don't know. I don't. I don't. The I don't believe that. Biggest problems are he's a Texas resident and has been for quite some time now. I. He's, that's the biggest problem. No, that's that. That's my biggest problem. He doesn't even live in Georgia. Why are you yeah. trying to recruit somebody that's not in the state? Look, uh, I, I hate to get well. Buddy Carter's here. dumbass down here in in coastal Georgia is like, yeah, I want Herschel to run, but if he doesn't, then I will step up. Okay, so let me get this right. You're a congressman. Well, that's that. That's, that's some blackmail right there. <laughs> yeah, let me get this right. I don't think you can say blackmail anymore, by the way. But um, <laughs> extortion. Sorry. But. Uh, if this, then that, like very principled approach, buddy. I don't have necessarily have a problem with that because you know it's one of those things where if no one else steps up, I will run, and if if this person steps up, I certainly won't run against him. It's not. It's I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's something you need to be put in the press. That's something that you have internal, uh, internally with your people. Is I'm not going to run against Herschel. I can't win. He's a good guy. I would support him. Uh, that's the fact that he can win is what's horrifying. The guy has no political experience and no business being a senator. They elected Trump. The U.S. Senate. We have the Seventeenth Amendment because our senators were supposed to be elected by the legislatures and directly accountable to the legislatures. They were supposed and to be I, people with experience. Never are I, we supposed and, to elect people who have zero experience. It's totally different with, with Trump. That. I would love to go back to that. I would love for our legislature, legislatures to uh, appoint our senators because that is supposed to be the state's rep representation in Congress. The House is the people's house. We don't have a, a uh, House and Senate anymore. We have a house that's there for six years and only a hundred of them and a house that's there, it's there for two years. And that's all we have because they're both elected by the people. Just one district is larger than the other. Yes. I would love to go back to the 17th amendment. Love well, to. And, and we should. And, and, as long as we don't, we're going to have people clowns like Herschel Walker and, and people who are, make us 
you know, this idea that anyone can and should run for office has got to stop. Well, like, but we have that everywhere. Chuck U. Schumer? I mean, do you really think that the New York legislature would, would, would send him up there? I mean, look, you can look anywhere in the country and you find cults of personality. Look in Alabama. Tommy Tuberville. Yeah, not okay. Right. But until until we go back to the framers' intent of the Senate being the state's representation in Congress, this is what we're going to have. We're going to have popularity contests. We're going to have a, a statewide race for governor, a statewide race for Senate, uh, then uh, in off years, another statewide race for Senate. And that's what's just going to happen until we until we're going to need a uh, convention of the states, and that will never happen. This, this is where is we why, are. This is why fewer people should vote. Absolutely, Je- Jess. What is this last comment that you have? <laughs> okay, so read it. Randy Evans used to post pictures on Facebook of his feet. Yes, so. I don't remember if it was, I think it was like 2013 or 14. I don't know. He was still, I think he was the um, national committee man for the Georgia GOP. And that's when I still believe that political parties mattered. And I was going to GOP events and conventions and all that stuff. And he's my Facebook friend. And he was like on vacation or something in a nice hotel and he would, like, I guess he was in a robe and was on the hotel bed, but he was frequently posting pictures of his feet, like women do at the beach, you know, like their toes in the sand and then, like, the beach off in the distance, except it was, like, these feet from, like, that, like, a catfish would vomit. And <laughs> <laughs> they were hideous. And it really, it really bothered me. And, and... So I commented on the picture and was like, this is totally unacceptable. Like, no, we don't, please don't post your feet on Facebook. Like, like I, it just really bothered me. So he, he, he like defended it or something. I, I don't really remember all the details. They're kind of muddy now, but every, that's all I, like when I hear his name, all I, I can think of is his feet. I hate to say this, Jessica, there's a picture of a beer in my feet with the water in the background. Okay, but do your feet look like something a catfish threw up? I hope not. <laughs> Connie would know I, how that. No, no. I, uh, I, I occasionally do get pedicures. Going back to earlier, I guess I guess. <laughs> <laughs> call back, call back. Uh, so, one, one picture's enough. When you said there's several. Mm-hmm. It was alarming. It was it was alarm and I, and it was like enough. We like I we don't need to see your feet every night at seven o'clock. Like enough. It it. it so we're I, we're gonna put Jessica as a no on the foot fetish. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> feet are nasty anyway. Yeah. I mean, they it no feet are nasty anyway. But it, it, dude's feet, yeah, no. No, if you are going to do that, at least, you know, get a pedicure. Next. It shouldn't look like uh, you can swoop out of the sky and snatch a, a trout out of a river. Mm-mm. 
Georgia sued for ban on gender affirming Medicaid. Now this is the this is the headline. I I'll correct it in a minute. Two, two <laughs> transgender women are suing the state of Georgia, saying they've been denied access to gender affirming health care under its Medicaid program. Have you were you able to determine from the article? You said, and and I I'm the one that put the article on the outline, but I'm asking you: Were you able to determine? which direction the transition was going. Yeah, they're dudes. They're dudes and they want to be women? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are no chicks with peckers, just dudes with boobies. Um, yeah, th- these are dudes that, that uh, think that they're women because they have gender dysmorphia, a mental illness. And they want the taxpayers to pay to make their outies into innies and to pay for all the hormones that go along with this totally elective surgery, saying that it's not elective. And just even the name of it, gender-affirming care. Horseshit. Your gender is determined by your DNA. You can, you can cut yourself up any way you want. If you have a Y chromosome, guess what, Hoss? You can, you can put lipstick on and call yourself Shirley. You're a dude. Now, look, if you want to change your name, I'll be polite and call you Shirley. But don't, don't expect me to pay for it. This is not gender affirming. Look, this is like... And I, one of the first shows I came on, dysmorphia. When you have body dysmorphia, these are people that are anorexic, bulimic. And no matter how skinny they get, like, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat. You're like, sweetie, you're not fat. I'm fat. You're 75 pounds. I'm fat. Look, if they were to, make a, if they were to do a remake of Schindler's List, you'd be, on, you'd be on the short list to act in it. You're skinny. Eat something. We take those people and we put them into treatment. So that they can they can understand their bodies, understand what they are, and and stop hating themselves. But when we say throw gender into it, okay, we're gonna whack off your dong and call you Shirley. There you go. So in the lawsuit, they said that um, the state wrongly characterizes the surgery as cosmetic or experimental or investigational. Um, but the medical community recognizes that there are treatments for the gender dysphoria. And I think that the d- gender dysphoria is interesting because there's a lot of convert, like there's, there's like a divide in the community, the trans community about whether or not it's a, it's an, a medical condition or like where that line is drawn of medical condition to mental illness and, and things of the sort. Like it, it's, so in their lawsuit, they're kind of, picking aside i guess but yeah did you read where it said that like they would otherwise be covered like the 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 at all the services that they want if they were for non-transgender people they would be covered no no not the services the drugs can be used to treat other illnesses okay so basically estrogen right uh, if you have women have a deficiency, 
especially menopausal and things like that, they have a need for this drug. So for them conflating this idea of someone who's having severe problems with menopause and needing estrogen with somebody who swears that he's really a chick, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. That's sort of like saying someone who needs testosterone treatment is the same as someone who wants to do steroids. I want to get bigger and stronger, so I need to shoot up testosterone. No, your body's making enough. You don't need it. And then asking the taxpayers to pay for it. It is totally elective. It is totally cosmetic. Besides, if you say you're already a woman, mm-hmm. why does the state need to step in and pay for anything? Well, and along the lines of the drugs, like if it's used for non-trans people, are I mean, is, do they refer to estrogen for a postmenopausal woman as gender affirming care? God, I hope not. Because most women, by the time they get to menopause, are pretty aware of what gender they are. And if not, by the time they get into menopause, they're very aware of what gender they are. Man, look, and you pointed out uh, pre-show that it was good that the story got four paragraphs in before mentioning that it was totally racist for the state to do it because these Mm -hmm. two trannies happen to be black. Yeah. I did, I mean, I I was... was genuinely pleased that they didn't lead with the race card because if you want to have the conversation i'll at least hear you out if you're going to tell me like i don't necessarily agree but you know like for me the solution i'm like oh well you know what the most constant because they said that this isn't constitutional it's discrimination and i'm over here like okay well let's get rid of medicaid well, no absolutely is what how is this discriminatory this is not i broke my arm and because I'm black, they won't pay for it, but they will if I'm white. This is not, uh, I, I have a, I dislocated my shoulder. I was in a car accident. Uh, I've, I've, I'm sick. I've got COVID. I've got cancer. I've got anything else. And I need this treatment. This is medically necessary treatment. This is, I think I'm a woman, therefore I should look like a woman. And you should pay to f- put fake boobies on me and chop my wiener off. And that the taxpayers should pay for that. Gender affirming my ass. It'll be interesting how a a judge rules on this, though, because they're obviously going to have to, like, it's it's one of those just, I mean, this happens often, but they're going to have to read medical opinions from both sides. And at some point, that is going to come down to the judge's personal opinion on this. Hopefully not. Uh, and I've said before, Gorsuch had the the best line when they asked about something. I, it, and it was that a judge should never take his personal baggage into court. You take all your opinions, you leave it at the kitchen table. When you go into court, you go in with a clean slate, and you only rule on the facts presented. And right, but how I, do they do that here? I—, I how do you First, when you have when you have the medical community when Georgia because Georgia's position on this is relying on medical. I mean, arguably, you could you could make the argument that it's dated because that's how it's always been that you are one gender or the other and that this is elective and cosmetic and this that and the other. But they are relying on medical opinions where these people are relying on medical opinions too. Um, they just happen to share the same values of them. So at some point, the judge's position is going to come in as to what, like, what, what medical opinion do you rely on? 
But at what point do you say that it's it's cosmetic? If you're a woman and you've got a mustache, is the state supposed to pay for your electrolysis? Because that's gender affirming because a mustache is very masculine and you want to look feminine. It's 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 ridiculous. And look, this is not being settled by one judge. I'm not on saying either, it's not uh, ridiculous. No, no I'm, I'm saying it's just on either on either way. Look, one of these dudes is 60. He may be dead before this actually get, gets settled between going from one court to another and and possibly eventually to the Supreme Court uh, if they if they ever decide to hear it. So this you know this dude's 60. Uh, by the time by the time this actually comes down, he may be dead and gone. Uh is it this is gonna take I, I'm I'm tired of hearing about transgender rights, this right. You don't have transgender rights. You have human rights, you have American rights, you have rights guaranteed to you by the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. You have God given rights. We have human rights. We don't have a human right to elective surgery. It is absolutely elective because it is not life saving or life preserving. Okay, we don't have a human right to medicate either though. Right. Lots no, of people don't qualify, so let's just can it. Right, a- a- absolutely. And on that, yes. Jessica, yeah, would you like to get your clo- would you like to get into your closing thought? Yep. Um, I wanted to let everybody know that a study came out last week that said um, eating chocolate after you wake up can help you burn fat and improve your blood sugar, and um, swapping out eggs and bacon for chocolate can actually like keep your blood sugar stable throughout the day. So. I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing. Chocolate cake for breakfast. Yep. On that, and, and teeing off of that, Con and I were watching uh, Bizarre Foods Delicious Destinations because I do love fat boy porn. Uh, and she saw a Saker tort, a chocolate cake, that is is done in Austria at the Saker Hotel. It's C, uh, it's, I'm sorry, S-A-C-H-E-R, uh, a... Very decadent uh, chocolate cake. So I ordered one from Austria, from the Saker Hotel. Because our anniversary is coming up and, you know, she already is stuck with a horrible husband. So I figured I, I, I would get her this tort. And at one point, the commercial, because we always watch things on DVR, the commercials were playing. She says, the only reason you shouldn't be fast forwarding is you're ordering me that cake. I said, actually, I'm ordering you that cake. She's really? So I, I just dropped a hundred euro on a, on a uh, chocolate cake that, that that hopefully be delivered before her anniversary. Small consolation for having poor <laughs> taste in men. Oh On that note, for Eric Cumbie, our editor, for Jessica Salaji, the owner of the Georgia Virtue, I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. <laughs>